involvement with the food bank is well known to all our regular viewers. Um, give us a give us a little bit of an update as to what's been going on with you this week. Well, obviously, the pay per view has been a catalyst for fans all around the country, and in particular, fans of Newcastle United who have really rallied to the cause. And if ever you want to know about what community is all about, then you just have to listen to what's happened with the food bank over the last few weeks. The way that everybody's come together. Obviously, pay-per-view was the catalyst, if you like, that, that, that created an awful lot of angst. But what it's shown is that right across the city, not just football fans, but people with a little bit of interest, no interest in football whatsoever, and people with a massive interest in football have collectively raised an awful lot of money but also done an awful lot to raise the profile of what's been happening uh, with the food bank, we, and and not just not just normal general public. We've had we've had Paul Dummett there this week, uh, along with Gillespie. Um, they came along um, and they they brought along some donations of their own. I think they went to Tesco's on the way down, filled the boot of that car up, and just appeared out of nowhere. Nobody expected it. It was very very. Very much a case of um, the girls in the food bank going, yeah, thanks very much. We've had two lads drop some stuff off. They've left some photographs. Uh, anybody know who they were? <laughs> and, and, of course, they didn't make a song and dance about who they were. They were just just like exactly the same as it had been uh, you two who just appeared, just handed over and, and shook a few hands and hoped everybody was okay. And... Uh, Carol at the food bank was just so grateful. She was also so embarrassed, I think, when she found out who who they actually were, you know, um, which which was was quite amusing. We've had we've had vans pulling up, um, dropping off produce from left, right, and centre right across the city, north, south, east, and west. Um, we've had lads from the Tyneside Irish Centre Football Club who came. Um, they've they've been collecting and they do it fairly regularly, which again is fantastic. We've had some people from the uh, from the Asian community in the West End who arrived today with three transit vans of stuff, all produce that's going to be used and 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 is so gratefully accepted by the team at the West End Food Bank. Um, and it just shows you how good people are. I think the next campaign, the next thing we're going to be looking at that, that we always do round about this time is to start to collect advent calendars and uh, that type of thing. So we're going to put something out next week about how people can donate advent calendars uh, through the month of November so we can get them out there for the start of December for the kids, um, which again is 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 uh, a, a cause, I think, that everybody, you know, uh, likes to get behind um, in the same way as they did with Easter eggs at Easter time. So all in all, the positivity that, that's surrounding the uh, the football club and surrounding Newcastle fans and surrounding the city um, has been a massive, massive shot in the arm and a massive boost for the West End Food Bank. And I think we also need to remember, Steve, that it's not just the West End. Um, the, the West End Food Bank now stretches and supports areas in the north of the city in Kenton, um, it supports uh, biker um, groups in biker who are doing exactly the same, and groups in in Walker. So it's no longer just the West End. It's very much stretched its tentacles, or its support probably is the better word to use, um, right across the city. And I think when we run the the stuff that we do on match days, which is just a, a conduit, if you like, in a way of supporting that we haven't been able to do, um, it's important for people to realise that we're not just sending stuff off that that is going to to one section of the community but it's going right across the community steve okay mate that's brilliant we want to also say a big big thank you to uh, mitch's dad george 
uh, who uh, is now the proud owner of uh, an NUFC Matters Three Amigos T-shirt. It's a one-off printed by our sponsors, QTechShop.co.uk and Walls End. Uh, George uh, entered the bidding uh, last weekend, uh, last Friday, and uh, he raised £150, which uh, he paid direct to the food bank, Steve. So a big thank you yeah. to George Mitchell, who had it delivered to his doorstep, and uh, he's the proud wearer of that now. So a big thank you to him as well, Steve. Absolutely. You know, George has been a fantastic supporter of the food bank. He comes along with me every every match day he, he's, and he's a great guy. I sit with George at the match as well, don't forget. So, you know, I am slightly biased, you know, and he's been a great support to me. When, when my father died, he was an excellent support and a great crutch to have and someone you could lean on, an older head who could keep you calm. Um, and he's been great. I think also Stuart Penman, who we have on on Thursdays um, on, the, uh, on the show, Stuart's been great. Uh, he's made some donations this week, um, as you know, Steve. He, he donated for the uh, for the event, and he's he's wanting to to pay for some of the staff to come along to the event that you're putting on at the Irish Centre on the fourth, which was brilliant. Um, and I think, Mitch, you you your raffle was was again another another shot in the arm, another boost, because that again shows you that the tentacles that stretch across not just the city, but they're stretching worldwide. Worldwide, absolutely. I've, I've got to say, Andrew Kennan, who's in Abu Dhabi. So somebody I know, somebody in this part of the world who's who's turned around and effectively, I think with the gift aid on top, he, he's effectively donated three hundred twenty pounds to the food bank just for that daft bloody raffle that I put up, which is just unbelievable, really. You know, uh, you you kind of think thank somebody so much for stuff like that. Um, yeah. What can you say, really, other than thank you and God bless you? Yeah, I think what you can also say, guys, is that you know Newcastle fans get an awful lot of stick. We create an awful lot of stick for ourselves. We get an awful lot of stick around the country for the way that people think and have this perception of us, um, especially since the, the takeover saga started um, and our angst that we've had towards the Premier League. But I think what it shows is that. We are a community. We do come together really, really strongly. And it shows the force for good when Newcastle fans are working together and they're not fighting each other. When they come behind some really good cause, it really, really does uh, show what fantastic people Newcastle United supporters are. Fighting, other, fighting each other? Surely not. No, no, we all have we all have little little spats between each other now and again. You you two do with me, I'm sure. Well, I do know that you do. <laughs> you there, you know, we're we're used to it. But you know what I mean? It, it it's it's be it it a lot of a lot of stuff that gets said is in jest. We know that, Steve. A lot of stuff just gets said in the heat of the moment. Um and and people are on tender hooks about an awful lot of things. And people are, are stressed as well. We're stressed about, you know, our own work situation. We're stressed about COVID. We're stressed about not being out there meeting our pals. So there's an awful lot of of, of trouble out there that, you know, we're, we're trying to, to avoid or we're trying to cut away from. And I think what the food bank's doing is 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 a perfect example of bringing fans together. Yeah, no, it does. And yeah. I mean, that you know, that's why we've supported it. The, uh, the Christmas due tickets sold out uh, for the Lee Clark event on the 4th of December. Um, obviously, another good opportunity for us to make money. And big thanks to John from QTech. Uh, he's done another one-off T-shirt, which we will be Brilliant. putting up, which we will be putting up on Twitter tonight on my personal account, at Steve Rafe. Uh, all proceeds uh, for this will go to the food bank. It's going to be an auction over the weekend. And the winner will be announced on Monday. 
on Ladies Night Show. So anyone wants one of those, I will stick it on my Twitter account. All you need to do is bid. Uh, first bid can be a quid, and uh, then we'll see where we'll go from there. As I say, we'll manage to get to £150 with the last one. If we could get anywhere near that on this on this one, it would be great. But anything and everything towards the food bank is a massive, massive plus. So, uh, as I say, whoever's got that winning bid by the time we come to end of ladies' night on Monday uh, will get that T-shirt. Uh, so a big thanks to qtechshop.co.uk for sorting that out. Uh, we do need to say... Um, uh, our condolences are with Nobby Styles' family today. Um, we've lost another one of the great 1966 World Cup winning team. Nobby Styles has passed away at the age of 78. He did have a, a battle over the last few years with a with a long illness, uh, so it wasn't uh, a surprise. Um, but uh, there he is, there in all his glory, with a Jules Rimet trophy, uh, Sir Alf and Bobby Moore. But uh, our thoughts, of course, are with. Uh, Nobby Styles' family today. Um, another passing, but of a different kind. Mike Ashley. Mm. Money Mike Ashley. Being advised to stay off Twitter while all this is going on. So, that's all, folks, was the message we got uh, today. And um, we weren't being mischievous when we put it up because, um, you know, we've always known, um, you know, who these people are. And it's always been interesting to watch that account grow and grow and grow into what it it has. And I think what people have jumped on, especially through this pandemic and the takeover, is is a lot of these parody of accounts, of which this is one. Um, and it is a particularly good one because ultimately uh, it's almost been a, an account that's managed to predict um, certain events which have been you know, you know, come true, if you like, throughout the takeover. So, Mitch, I'm going to come to you, mate. And mm. um, yes, you are half cut. Uh, some people have been asking, are you, are, you, are you tired? Are you half cut? But it is the weekend, so you're entitled. And, uh, you, you, are, you know, you need a little bit of relaxation after some of the rubbish that's been on Twitter oh, today. <laughs> but, um, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about... Um, you know what you know about that account, and 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 right, whatever okay. you want to say about it. I'm, you know, we 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 spoke briefly today, but you know, I, yeah. I, I know you, I know you've got a few words that you want to say about this. No, it's, look, the bottom line is right. My understanding is it's it's an account that's been run by multiple people, not just one person. Um, I knew who two of them were, or at least one of them was somebody who I know very well. Um. But he was kind of peripheral. The main one, which is the connection to the original source of the account, which was a Venkies account with Blackburn. Um, after after something Luke Edwards said today, he knows who it is as well on that one, that one okay. individual. But it's not not one individual. It's there's three. And somebody said to me this week. Was it three people? Because they felt there was three different ways of that the account was being run and three different ways that it was being said, which I my understanding was it was only two. But now, after the day where I've been properly done up like a kipper, which I'll take on the chin, end of <laughs> all day long, to be fair. Um, there's a third person involved with it who didn't like the fact or didn't wasn't happy or who thought I was going to expose them. Which never was the case, <laughs> to be fair. You know, um, 
so Blue Red Wedge certainly has one of them. Another one is my mate. Now, the one thing that I have been told and been told repeatedly by somebody connected to the account was it's somebody close to Ashley. And to the part of the, um, I've got to get out of this for legal reasons and stuff like that, I don't know. What I do know is that account actually received quite a lot of vile DMs and threats, personal threats. Um, so somebody connected to the account was exposed and felt threatened enough to back off. And that probably sums up NUFC Twitter. Why would, I mean, so what, they actually, what they actually found out. Over they, the last sorry. couple of days, Steve, honestly, what we've what? seen over the last couple of days from NUFC Twitter is vile. It's horrible. And nobody, nobody who puts their head above the parapet, who gives an opinion, who, who wants to be honest to help the fan base, doesn't deserve some of that shit. But then when you find out somebody who's running a parody account is getting worse than that, <laughs> dear me, really? Um, and yeah, they've done us up like a kip at the day, which is fabulous, to be fair. I'll take, I'll take that on the chin all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, uh, you know, for somebody to get personal DMs from fans, it, it's bang out of order. I mean, we're seeing some people putting on the chat there already tonight um, that um, Michelle has Michelle has had some kind of stick as well, you know, from uh, you know from supporters today, some 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 death threats allegedly. Well, you know, that is again is bang out of order. You know what I mean, Steve? And um, we've lost yeah. Mitch there. I know he's at a different venue today, but at least he, he got his point across. Um, it, it is rather concerning that people would send death threats. I think I've mentioned on this program before that the kind of abuse I've had in the past, you know, is, uh, you know, people saying that they hope my wife got raped, um, that kind of thing. It's it's unacceptable, um, but it's one of those things that you, you almost you know, you get used to, which is awful to say, but you do get used to it on Twitter. It's a vile playground, which, you know, there's a lot of people on um, who, you know, you know, just haven't got the mentality that they were born with. No, exactly. It's horrible, Steve. Absolutely horrible. Um, I just point out, I'm not one of the, I'm not one of the three. It's not the three amigos. We know that. I can guarantee it's not the three amigos. People asking there. Um, I'm not one of them. I, I didn't know any of any of the three. Uh, people uh, in the account. I, I honestly thought it was a journalist, to be perfectly honest. Um, I thought it was someone in the media. Uh, because it, Plus, it was a, it was very funny. It was it was well, very, very hard-hitting and very on the mark, you know, and, and I thought it has to be somebody close to, to the whole situation. Um, but I had no idea who it was. I've, I've subsequently heard various uh, bits and pieces about it. I've heard I've heard Mitch what Mitch has got to say there about it um, and about that particular account, but I, I, I genuinely didn't have a didn't have a clue, and I still don't know the, the people that Mitch is talking about. Um, I have you know, I have I have strong feelings about parody accounts. I must admit, you know, I don't I don't particularly like them. Um, I'm one of these people who thinks that uh, you know we should all be aware of who it is we're having a communication with. You know, I see I see names and numbers come up and this type of thing. Um, I see people who are willing to have a pop but aren't willing to to, to enter in a constructive dialogue. You know, I, I see people who want to 
want to cut you down, but they don't want to, they don't want to just have a have a normal conversation. It's got to, it's yeah. got to, it's got to be a sort of something that can stick the knife in. It's got to be something that that um, allows other people into the conversation or creates a little bit of angst and a little bit of annoyance and irritation that allows the real nasty people to then get a hold of and 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 come through back on. And I, I saw the conversations. I haven't I haven't I haven't bothered today. I've kept I've tried to keep away from Twitter today. To be perfectly honest. Um, I've had an awful lot more to, to, to worry about and concern myself than than Twitter and Newcastle United, you know. Um, and I've had some long uh, and interesting conversations with people over the, over the last twenty four hours about other events concerning Newcastle United. Um, and when you do stick your head above the parapet and you talk about those things, again, people immediately come back and they they diss you, they call you all sorts, they accuse you of making stuff up. They accuse you of, of of doing it for um, hits on social media. I'm not interested in whether I've got three or three hundred people following us. I'm not really bothered whether um, three or three hundred people are watching this show tonight. The reason we set this up was we we it was just basically three lads who normally would have chatted in a pub who know, who now chat online, you know, and want and like that sort of conversation and ambience to come over. And I think you know that's the way that we've always played it. Um, the, the the annoyance comes when you have some information, you know that you can't give everything out because a lot of it is confidential, but you're given the opportunity to see a little bit, to just to just sort of calm calm your chickens, if you like, is the phrase that my some of my pals use. Just calm your chickens, just just put something out there, just just let it work through, but be aware that there's you know that it everything isn't as it may seem or or, or don't worry about things. But instead you get Name them, shame them, tell us who they are. I need to know. I demand. I think this reporter should say that. I think that reporter should do this. I think they should have. They should have told you that. Blah 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 blah. And so it goes on and on, as though it's it's just they want they want to know everything about everything. And when they do find stuff out, they still just rip it apart anyway. So it makes it pointless exercise. Team, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it does. It does. It's uh, it's it's been an awful an awful couple of days on Twitter. I've got to be perfectly honest. But like I said to Mitch on the phone earlier today, um, I just don't even read replies now. Unfortunately, it means I probably miss a lot of positive ones. But um, I, you know, I miss the negative ones. And if I do stumble across a negative one every now and then, I'm I'm simply you know just delete um reporting them and blocking them and that's the best thing to do because that's what twitter that's what twitter allow you to do so you know there's there's lots of people who you know hurl abuse but i, I don't really see them and to be perfectly honest lads i haven't got time to waste two hours of my day sitting replying to, to stuff on that do you know what i mean because I, I just haven't i'm sitting writing books i'm sitting doing this i'm doing that i've got to try and earn a living to pay you know pay me bills I haven't got time to sit and waste two hours talking on, on Twitter and answering the same questions to people because there's nothing to answer. We do it all on the show. And, and for me, I just don't need the negativity anymore. And and that's, that's you know, it's sad because there's a lot of people who enjoyed interacting with us on there. There's one or two. I'll check my DMs. But um, getting back to the, the Mike Ashley account, the Money Mike Ashley account. And for those of you tuning in late, we're just talking about Money Mike Ashley, you know, obviously deciding to come off Twitter. Um I did find it strange, and I only found it out a couple of weeks ago, you know, that it was connected. It was originally called Venky's Blackburn. And, I mean, that mm -hmm. in itself 
tells you, Mitch, that, you know, anyone, you don't need to be a detective to work it out, that, you know, essentially it's something to do with Blackburn. So, you know, one of the guys is is clearly not a Newcastle fan. So for me, yeah. that makes it, for me, that makes it even funnier because, mm-hmm. fair, you know, it, it is a proper parody account. It's somebody who decided... Had yeah. proper practice before. Yeah, and, they've had and, proper practice and, before, and, yeah. and again, go back to what Luke Edwards said today, that's your source there. Yeah, so maybe call me a chickens was the right phrase to use then. Probably, to be fair. <laughs> Aye. So, so, so those of you who just tuned in tonight, um, you know, wanting to know, we're not going to give the names out. We wouldn't do that. Um, Mitch does know two of the three. Um, one of them is a Blackburn fan, and that's what the account originally was. So it was originally a Blackburn account targeting the Venkies, and essentially it's now... Money Mike Ashley and it targets uh, Newcastle and Newcastle support as in Newcastle's owner. It's very good. It's very sad that it's gone. Um, it probably will come back at some point. Uh, we're not going to tell you why it's gone because that's not our place to do that. Uh, but when it does come back, I'm sure it will come back with a big bang. So uh, that's all. That's all we're going to. That's all we're going to say. I think on on the Money Mike Ashley count. Steve, I'll give you the final word. I was going to say, and it was harmless. It was humour. It was harmless. It wasn't yeah. sort of. It, there it wasn't. wasn't you know, it, it was. It was a. It was a funny account that I think we all enjoyed um, having a laugh with and thinking yeah. and, and getting my mind when I wonder who it is and how many people have said I think it's really Mike Ashley and for that alone it was it was worth the entry money if you know what I mean the kind of phrase you know. Oh, it was it was it was very good and well done to the lads who have done it. Well done to the lads who have yeah. it. And they shouldn't, and, and, they shouldn't take umbrage about anything that anybody no. said. Um, and they shouldn't be getting stick. They should not and also, be also say that Mitch Mitch certainly hasn't divulged any personal information and, and, or, or, or anything like that. So, you know, they're still relatively unknown to us. And I don't really want to know who and, they are. But I'm, and, I and again, again Steve, though, one of those individuals yep. has information that you and Steve and I don't have. Yes, exactly. 100%. Exactly, 100%. exactly so yeah. everybody can work that one out. That's the one, genuinely, hand on heart, I don't know. And the fact that the, the fact that, that statement that they put up today, um, more or less saying that being advised to stay off Twitter while all this is going on is, you know, it tells you a little bit more about mm. it, that, you know, that these guys do have a little information, you know, and, and we've all got some information. Uh, we don't just sit on the three amigos and spout rubbish. We we are very careful what we say. Uh, we don't plan the show. We don't we don't speak um, for you know hours on end prior prior to the show and say this is what we're going to say. As Steve quite rightly said, this is a chat where we just come on and chat. We don't plan it, and and we we like to let the people in the chat give us the direction. Obviously, we're going to have ideas of what we want to talk about, but um, as you say, we're really you know we're honoured and we're always. You know, blown away by the amount of people who like to watch it. So, if you're a new person watching tonight, please just click the subscribe button. Cost you nothing. Um, despite what some people were saying on Twitter today that it's a money making exercise. Big thank you to everyone who subscribes. Yes, if you want to join the channel and you want to donate something, by all means do it. If you want to sponsor the program, like we've got Q Tech Shop doing and Darren Baldwin Funerals at the minute, and put a little bit into paying for the Streamyard um, uh, software that we use, then please do. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to pay, don't pay. Do you know, and do you know what, it's as simple as that. Do you know what, Steve? Let's talk about money. 13 years. 13 years. And I've been involved in with Steve 
a number of different groups who've tried to buy the club. I've sat down in the last few days and worked out, I think I've done a dissertation's worth of emails. <laughs> I think I've spent more than two weeks on the phone or on Zoom or on whatever, you know, internet video chat we've had. Um, we've come close a couple of times. I've not seen a single penny at all. And that's never what it's been about. Ever. I don't do shit for likes. Jesus Christ, I'm nearly 50 years old, man, for fuck's sakes. I'm not interested in likes. I'm not interested in bloody retweets and all that shit that people will have a go at. Um, we've worked hard and not had a penny for it. And today, today I've actually seen something else that's really pissed me off. <laughs> um, and, and again, comes down to work that's been put in and stuff we've done under the radar. We've not shouted about it. And it's not been done for, you know, self-absorption or whatever anybody wants to say. That's not what we do it for. And we do this because it, it's three mates talking about Newcastle United and this is what we want. And this is what we want to talk about the, the betterment of our club and the betterment of our city. Um, Yeah. So do we do it for money or do we do it for likes? Bollocks. <laughs> Bollocks. And I'm not having it. And I won't have it. And I won't take it off anybody either. And actually, no. today, is the, today is the first day I've actually questioned, why do I do this? Really? Fair enough, Mitch. And uh, it's sad, it was sad to hear you say that. And, um, you know, it ha you know it has got everybody up a height and, and it's not nice. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, as I say, I, I deal with it in my own way. I used to get drawn into all of this social media stuff and having arguments and stuff, but it's just it's really not worth it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, Marty Lawrence says, Toon Pools as I'm Spartacus response was brilliant. I've got to be honest. That's good. Did, brilliant. I did, yes. I did, get in, I did get involved in that and uh, congratulate him on his um, on, on his Money Mike Ashley account. I have to say that it wasn't him. Uh, and the Toon Pools did ask us to, uh, to to do that, which uh, which is good of him. But uh, no, look, it's uh, it's one of them things. We've got to live with it. Newcastle United fans um, in general are united. But unfortunately, I keep saying this as well to people. Twitter is such a very, 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 very small percentage of Newcastle fans. And if we've learned anything from the Money Mike Ashley account is that even he wasn't a Newcastle fan. At least a third of them wasn't a Newcastle fan. So from our perspective, that's that's the way I look at it. It's uh, Sometimes it's Mackhams. Sometimes it's other people. Uh, just winding us up just to get just to get a buzz on Twitter. And, you know, that's it. So we'll leave that there. We'll park that bus and, and we'll move on. Um, let's look. Uh, and, and by the way, I know there's people commenting about um, Red Rose, Michelle and Liam. Look, Liam will be on the show on Tuesday. We're not going to have Red Rose, Michelle on the show. Let her crack on with the podcast that she does. Uh, we'll keep with Liam because Liam speaks the truth. And that's what I want to come on to. I don't want to get into that cesspool, Steve. Let's let's talk about Liam and what he's put out in the Shields Gazette over the last couple of days. Uh, been very interesting. Um, but I want to know your views um, on, on what is going on legally. Put it in layman's terms, which ultimately is what Liam did in the newspaper. Liam put what is going on with the fans' uh, legal battle 
in layman's terms. He yeah. put it down in layman's terms so all of us, people who aren't legal people, can understand what is going on. He's been accused now of not knowing what's going on because he didn't put it in legal terms. <laughs> so from our perspective, I would know which I would rather have, and I know what most of our viewers would rather have. Put it in, put it in plain Geordie so we all know what the hell's what it means, what is going on with our football club. Tell us what's going on, Steve, from right, your well, perspective. Well, from somebody who occasionally used to be ill at school and used to have to take the afternoon off and would watch Crown Court, I'm obviously the perfect legal eagle to be able to pin this down. I'm, Crown I'm, Court. I've got all the qualifications. I'm, I'm, I'm up there with the best, aren't I, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, from my understanding is that um, there was a group of fans, a, a small group of fans, um, who... Uh, thought that they had had an idea that there was a way that they could go about um, taking uh, legal action against the Premier League. Um, we all know that there was a, there was a, a, a website eventually created by a, a, by a group of fans called, uh, what was it, War, War Fund, I think, where they said, you know, if the fans all get together and we all fund this, we could all have a crack at having a go at the Premier League. We all know uh, it was mentioned on this show um by uh, by young Foxy Daniel Fox, um, who canny kid, um, top lad, yeah, absolutely. And Daniel Daniel came on the show. He didn't mention it at all. Daniel subsequently came on the show, asked if he could ask if he could read out a statement, which you let him. Which I know for a fact you didn't know what what was going to be in the statement at the time. He read that statement out. We all went, "Wow, what's this?" Uh, we then that was the the last we heard. Um, I think we were asked to support it, but you can't support anything that you don't really know much about. We didn't know who was behind it. We, we, we didn't know any names. We just knew that there was invisible people. So we left it at that. Uh, it was parked. It subsequently died a death and and, and fizzled away. And I've, I've heard I've heard people say that it was struck off, um, that it was it was uh, thrown out. It was all sorts of things happened to the to the particular um, just given page. Um, all I know was that it was closed down, and it was. I understand. I heard yesterday that, that all the all the money that or any money that had been collected, which was about three hundred and fifty quid or something, got refunded. Um, which was, like I say, used news to me. It, it, then we we then hear on Monday um, a story that breaks that there's a, this group of fans who have got together and put in some sort of legal case together that they funded themselves and um, felt as though it had legs because what they've done is they've taken on board a QC. And they've they've produced what's known as a letter before action, um, which basically spells out what it is itself. It's a letter that goes out to the other party that says we are going to we're going to take you to court. Um, we feel as though we've got a case against you, but before we take that action, we're letting you know that it's there and how you how you want to respond. Do you want to enter into some sort of dialogue, or are you just happy to just allow it to roll on? Um, and that's it. Letter before action. Um, I've been involved in one of them myself, or a similar situation myself with work that I've that I've done in the past. So I know a little bit about that side of it and how it works. Um, and then all of a sudden, the whole thing explodes, and people start ripping this letter apart. Two pe two two fans were named uh, in it um, who were put who were putting the case together. I only actually found out about. Oh, 
two hours ago um, who one of them was. The name didn't ring a bell to me um, because it was somebody from the long distant past uh, when we were involved in NUSC um, who uh, was at some of our meetings. So it's a, it's a well-known, uh, a well-established Newcastle United fan. It's not someone who's just come out of the ether. It's someone who's been a long-standing Newcastle fan from way, way back um, who feels as though he has a he, he has something that he can get a grip of. And I understand that he's financed it himself. He's taken on board a QC. He's produced some documentation. Um, and the QC's looked at it and feels as though it's got legs to go and have it uh, assessed by the, uh, the the competition commission or whatever it's called. And he's going to take it take it apart uh, and and try and take the Premier League apart on um, a breach of competition rules um, with regard to, and that's what the key is with regard to. The fact that Newcastle United takeover, everything that was done by one side of that party was of the takeover was done correctly, and so there was no reason why it could be thrown out. And that's it. That's as far as I'm aware in, in, in that respect, in terms of trying to explain it simply and straightforwardly. Some people are saying, well, why is it not why is it not uh the, the people who are taking over the football club? Why is it not them? Why is it not DeMarco? Why is it not Fatima? Why are they not the people who are taking this on board and running with this legal case? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the what the rationale is behind you know uh, them ha- carrying on with this and the, and the other party going that. Perhaps there's two joint things going on at the same time. What I do know from experience is this is the sort of case that can happen very very quickly. It's the sort of David and Goliath type of approach that can be done with in legal terms. Where a small a small business feels as though it has a gripe against a big business, or a small person has a gripe against a big person, and the whole idea is that you can you can you can look at this and you can say in competition terms there's been a breach of competition rules. I think there's, this has been the breach, and let the other party and let the judge decide whether there has been a breach, and that's what these guys are, are doing on behalf of whomever themselves, I presume. Um, but the outcome is that it could A, be fast-tracked, B, it could happen very, very quickly, and C, it can be time-bonded, or more importantly, um, it's bonded in, in terms of how much money um, you're allowed to spend legally on a case like this, because the time is short before it, you then have to present a case once it's been lodged. And I think that's what they're, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a, an, an instant decision from the Premier League that actually makes the Premier League explain why they feel because they never ever made the decision and it's to get all of us fans to find out what the decision was that the Premier League felt they could not make a decision on the takeover. And perhaps we all need to know, we all do need to know, why did the Premier League not make that decision? Rather than hiding behind the fact that they, they, that PIF withdrew or any of that, we all know what's been happening since when? January, February, with regard to the Premier League, with regard to the FA, with regard to the EFL, and all the shenanigans that's been going on behind the scenes while the Newcastle United takeover has been running. And who has influenced that takeover? Who has influenced those decisions? And who has got it and made decisions or stalled on decisions to the point where PIF perhaps felt enough was enough? And they're the answers that we need because... The, the executives of the Premier League do not own the Premier League. 
They work on behalf of the shareholders, the 20 clubs, and it's our game. It's our game as supporters. They're just custodians of the game, the matches that take place on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Friday, and they're the ones who decide when the game's going on, and they run the competition. But without the fans, there is no competition. As as we've found out, ironically, since March, when we haven't been allowed in. And as fans, we need to know what goes on behind the scenes. We need to know how decisions are made that affect our football clubs and, more importantly, affect the competition that we are in. If there are people in the Premier League that in the competition that we're in, that our football is football club is in, then those people should not have an undue influence on how our football club performs or how our football club can be owned or how our football club can be managed. That's what these guys will be finding out. And these, this is what the Premier League is going to have to answer when, when it, if, if and when it gets to court, or they're going to have to come up with some sort of um, way of being able to get an agreement with these people in terms of how we go forward, Steve. Yeah, but it's a good, good point, Steve. Good point. Neil, what's your view on this? Well, it's... I think Steve hit the nail on the head, really, at the end of the day. You know, I, I think we'll have a situation with, with the whole football league at the moment, both Premier League and EFL, which is just a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to build a pyramid from the top down. The guys at the top really need cleaned out and turkeys aren't going to vote for Christmas and that's not going to happen. Really, you know, and and um, I genuinely, you know, based on conversations both me and Steve have had this week with with other people. Um, dear me, I, I have very little hope for the football league at the moment and, and and the Premier League going forward. It's it's frustrating as hell, you know. Um, we, we've ranted on over the last few weeks about a number of different things and there's a reason for it because uh, we're hearing so much from you know contacts we've made over the last what 10 years plus of the same thing and it and it's so frustrating very frustrating very 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 frustrating i mean we've got to remember that 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 this action that's been taken has been taken by supporters. It's been yes. taken by, by supporters, right? And as supporters, we've got supporters having a pop at them for taking action that could help our football club, that could get answers mm-hmm. that our supporters have been screaming out for for months and months. How many, name me, a, name me a Newcastle fan out there who doesn't want to know why the deal failed. Why the, and, why if ended up walking away? There's not a single Newcastle fan out there that doesn't want to know that. And, and this Steve, could find, help that, us find out. that's why I said when it was when it first broke, there's two things I I did. Was one I had a chat with him about the association with War Fund and saying, look, this is gonna gonna get you some flack, mm-hmm. which it always was, which. I, Again, I totally understand, totally understand why people are going to go, ooh, 
there was this, there was this, there was this. Yeah, get it. Totally get it. Our fan base isn't stupid. It's, it's pretty damn smart, actually. Smarter than many, because we've been through this bloody cycle so many times. Um, and so they remember shit. They remember a lot more, a lot more than many other fan bases do. So again, that 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 was one thing, and and then the other thing I said though is, why have a go at somebody who's trying to do something? It's easy to sit on the sideline and snipe, and say that shit, not that shit, not that shit, and fine, but. What do you do? What did you do? What did you do? And the association with Warfund was always going to be a potential credibility problem, which I think Liam would tell you. I told him that straight. First time I had a conversation with him in the aftermath of it all. Um... And he was quite adamant, I'm going to stand by this, which is fine. You know what? He, he, understand, he understands his sources and, and he stands by it. And he's a smart cookie. He's not, he, he's not a stupid guy. You know, he's, he, he, the contacts he has, he's very, very good at, he uses the phrase about joining dots. I would use the same phrase. He's very good at joining dots. And um, but but that was one of the biggest things that this um, whole campaign had to like navigate was the war fund connection, which has all been paid back as far as I understand. Yeah, so everything's been, that, everything's that been is, You know that is it. It blindsided us when we had the lad associated with it on here, who I still believe was used a little perhaps and um you know that that's not fair um but at the same time um tasting trainers three stripes all the way man how are we um you know it's 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 super frustrating to watch people just snipe because that is actually the easiest thing to do and i think go back through Multiple times we've had conversations like this, both openly on the three amigos and before that, when we look go back to go back to when the whole inception of the trust, you know, when we've had conversations about this. Same conversations, same yep. conversations. And here we are, what, 14, 15 years on? We're having the same conversation. We shouldn't be having the same conversation. It's like really yeah, absolutely, mate. Totally, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and Tom's Tom's spot on with what he just put up there, Steve. As well, I mean, Tom knows Tom was involved with NUFC right at the very start. Mm. Tom support of 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 NUFC fans United, and 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 is a great lad. And Tom was involved in NUST. Um, He's a Tom lad. Tom knows the Tom. Do you know what you, you want to take the the the. the Absolutely epitome of the foot soldier you want in your team, Tom. Yeah, he's another yeah. song hero. Anything, anything, because he just gave a shit. Yeah, 
He got it. Tom gets it. Tom, Tom understands exactly what it is about being a Newcastle fan. And when you stick your head above the parapet and how you can how you can work for the benefit of, of everybody. Absolutely. And, and and that's what's important. And that's what that's that's the thing that we that, that, that we've missed out on. That's the thing that we've gelled the, the news. And I think that's that's why I put on Twitter uh, last night that you know I'm I'm I had I had read the read the statement that came out. I read the letter. I I, I analyzed it. I didn't didn't jump in straight away after after sort of five minutes of seeing it and going, we're gonna to have to go with this. I read it, I thought it through, I considered what it what it could mean, um, whether or not it was the right way to go about, the wrong way to go about, what what the what the letter could do, where it would take it to the ne- in terms of the next level, what it what its aims and objectives were, or what I thought they were, and, and what the benefits could be from it. And at that point, I, I put out, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll follow this. I'll, I'll support this. Um, I got, I got criticised. I got somebody saying that I probably stuck my money into war funds as well, and I'm, I'm tied in, and I'm not. I didn't put a penny into war funds. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I put money into is, is, is the food bank. To be perfectly honest, you know, I ha- actually I haven't even subscribed. I have subscribed to your channel, Steve, but I haven't put any money into it. Oh, oh, hey, Steve. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm counting me chickens. I'm waiting to see how good the show comes, and I'm waiting to see what sort of reward I'm going to get at the end of it, man. <laughs> I've got I've got shaving foam to pay for. <laughs> so far, the only money that you've made out of this is you've been able to change your headset. That's the only thing. And even and that's then, not, and that's not very good. It's been well, a complete waste of money. Paid for half of it. <laughs> We've even got Daz on the worldwide show. He's got fancy backdrops and that, and I'm stuck here with me bloody kitchen wall. Exactly, exactly. But but. I think you, you, you have to you have to look at and, and you have to support when fans are trying to do something and and so when I've subsequently found out who it is that's behind it or one of the names behind it who actually turned around and said he knew me rather than me knowing them and I'd forgotten who the lad was until the penny dropped and I went Christ how did I forget that and as soon as I heard I went this is this is even better this is better than I even thought it would be this is this is taking it on to another level I've got. My confidence levels went up another hundred percent, if that's possible. I know, you know what me, I mean. Me too. I know that. I know the lad as well. I mean, um, you know, I know the lads involved, and I've got to be perfectly honest. The lads behind this approached me months ago. Um, you know, as well as Dan Fox when he was talking with regards to war funds, and you know, good luck to them. Um, yeah. I've had a couple of messages. I won't say who off today, but they've they've been in touch and wished us all the best. And thank you for your support on the show the other night. And yeah, good luck to them because they're getting off the backside and actually doing something. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know that's the main thing. Good luck to them. And um, you know, thanks for your opinions on that, lads. I want to. Um, we've got so much to talk about tonight. So um, you know, I probably probably forget things like Tony Green's birthday. Uh, happy birthday to Tony Green. Great. And, uh, yeah, legend of a player. Obviously, didn't play many games for Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, it was Kurt came Hill. Came to our school and presented the uh, the, the school trophies. Uh, just when he was it, while he was injured, while he was out, when he was just making uh, trying to make a return to Newcastle uh, into the first team after his knee injury. Came to St Mary's Tech on Benton Park Road, same school that Menzies went to, by the way, and uh, presented the uh, the football trophies. Um, was very good pals with the, with the headmaster at St Mary's. Actually, had the pleasure of meeting Tony. Um, did a do for Walden Boys Club with uh, my good friend Stephen Dale, um, and uh, he's a he's a great guy, really good guy, very 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 approachable, very nice chap, and uh, wish him all the best and happy birthday. 
Any young, any young people watching the show tonight? Just ask your dad, or maybe he's even asking <laughs> granddad. Yeah. Um, or, ask, or, ask, or ask George Mitchell on Monday night. George Wednesday night. Um, Sean Longstaff as well. His birthday today. Um, yeah. Good luck to him. Hope he uh, hope he starts to to get a bit more of a chance in the team as opposed to some of the bigger waste of spaces yeah. that uh, Steve presented. And Mrs H's birthday yesterday, by the way, as well. <laughs> oh, happy birthday to her too, mate. Happy birthday to her. Well, if she was spoiled, I'm sure she was. Uh, new kit supplier, potentially, Castoria, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, their first major venture into football came, of course, when Glasgow Rangers announced uh, a, a deal in May. Um, interesting one, this, lads. It's not... Not quite what we were probably going to expect, you know, because we're all expecting the takeover to go through and maybe, you know, bigger names and, and you know, bigger money. But it's it seems to be it seems to be going ahead. This it's uh, just just been announced today. What's your thoughts on this? It's the first I heard about it, Steve, to tell you the truth, when it, when somebody flashed up. And as, I, as I say, I've been busy most of the day and I've kept up social media. Uh, I've been wandering around the round around Desmond Green with a dog and I'm just trying to get my head clear about you know everything that's been going on. So it's totally new to me. Um, I don't know anything about them. Um, I don't know what the deal's worth. I don't know uh, how it's came about. Um, so it's it's I'm, I'm completely blind to be perfectly honest. And not very often I am. I must admit on on stuff because I'm you, you know you you guys usually keep us informed as well um, on stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm completely side saddled on that one. I'm afraid. Yeah, Mitch, have you heard of them? I mean, you're you're, you're more I've of the fashion. Of them. You're more the, the, of the fashion the, guru on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read. Um, they, 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 they've done kits for Rangers, so um, the immediate immediate question mark is is the connection Ashley Rangers kits. It has that kind of feel to it. Um, to be fair, I. My, my opinion on kits changed dramatically sitting talking with Benzai Group last February when yeah. they were talking about doing um, something that was uh, um, if we take control of the club, we're going to have a kit kit manufacturer which is going to be a Dubai, Dubai brand. And so it's not going to be a be Adidas, it's going to be Nike, it's not going to be Puma, it's going to be our brand and it's going to have um, connections to what we want. We're going to have more control, more interaction and more importantly, that brand would then feed every penny back into the Newcastle area. Um, so thinking outside of the box with, with brands is not a problem to me at the moment. Um I've looked at uh, Al Sahal, which is one of the, the new clubs here in in Dubai, which Div McCrew is part of, and and they're going to be the Dubai Black and Whites, and they're trying to get us involved. To be fair, um, and the, and again they've they've paired up with a brand new kit manufacturer to produce a black and white shirt and a black and white wear shirt, um, and again it's about not just taking the shirt and the brand like beyond the the club it's more about getting the the shirt and the brand involved with the club and that all of the all of the the um profit that they make from merchandise funnels into the club 
if that's the kind of relationship we've got with Castori, that's fine. For me, do you know it? It 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 gets it gets a kit. If it's black and white stripes, people will buy it. They proved that. People didn't stop buying it because it wasn't Adidas. People didn't get stop buying it because it was Puma. People didn't stop buying it because it was Umbro before that or what have you. Um, the the brand these days almost seems incidental. Um, if the, if Castori turn up with a design of a shirt that makes everybody go, oh my god, and and starts people buying the shirt, that'll be a success. Yep. True. So if, if, if Castori have half a brain, perhaps they want to reach out to fan groups and the trust and and, and other people who are significant in. The, the the fans organizations and say what do you want in a shirt if they've got half a brain let's see because yeah. that's what I would do uh, yeah. you know if I if, if I was to be the kit supplier at Leeds next year if they've said right we're, we're going to sack off Adidas we've got a better option from XYZ first thing I would do is go to the club Go to the trust, go to the supporters groups and say, what do you want a shirt to be like? What would you like your wear shirt to be like? Have you got a got a classic shirt you want to want yeah. to re- replicate? Have you got a classic away shirt you've got to replicate? Do you have a niche shirt that you would like to be your third kit? That's how you do it. It's engagement. Because if you engage and involve like we know, if you go and engage and involve Newcastle fans, they think it's theirs. You don't go to Newcastle fans and say, you do this because we all know. You mm-hmm. go to Newcastle fans and say, you do this. You get two answers, why or F off. <laughs> that's, that's the two answers you get. Right? Yeah. But if you go to them and say, we have this idea, we'd like to do this and we'd like to do that. And if you present them the options in a way that they feel engaged and feel that they can buy into, nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, they'll buy the right one. They'll, they'll engage with the right one. But that's the way you've got to do it. So if you're a new, new shirt supplier at the town, reach out. If, it, if it's a story, if you're watching this, reach out. Speak to people. Because you'll get the answer you want. Because if you want to rock up day one with a um, modern take on the 1988 to 1990 thick and thin barcode shirt, and you get it wrong, people are going to go mental. But if you get it right... People love it, yeah. Because and the way to get it right is to engage. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. One hundred percent. Good stuff uh, on that. Uh, Steve Bruce uh, had his press conference today and uh, ahead of the game against Everton on Sunday. Um, he did touch on social media. Don't know whether you saw that, but he did say, "I can't get myself worked up into a frenzy because of keyboard warriors." That's for sure. The job's difficult enough without having to worry about all that nonsense. What did you make of that, Steve? 
uh, when I when I heard that, I mean, I must admit, I, that is that is something I did hear this this afternoon, um, and I just thought, sorry, Steve, sorry if I've been criticising you, um, you know, sorry if I've questioned your formation, sorry, if, <laughs> sorry if I've questioned at some point in time and I've upset you because I felt as though your your selections have been awkward, the manner in which you've played the football has been awkward. Um, it hasn't. It, it hasn't. I haven't liked it. I'm sorry if the if the performances have been poor. The possession of like you know living on twenty nine to thirty five percent possession um, at home um, doesn't excite us. I'm sorry about all that. You know, I'm sorry about we've played a, a game on Saturday on Sunday rather with uh, with a, a twenty million pound striker who was like so isolated that you know he might as well have been playing at home while the rest of the team were playing away. Um, you know, all of those, but hey, sorry, Steve, sorry. Yeah, what did he make about his comments, Steve, about the uh, formation and uh, playing five at the back? I mean, that was bizarre as well. Yeah. He's uh, yeah, yeah. back in back in defence mode, wasn't he? Abs- yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, it, it's, this, it's, this, it's this old adage that he, he still... He still thinks that we're open back to a previous manager and that he's got to like compare himself and contrast himself with it. And he doesn't need to, you know. Um horse, all he's got to say is horses for courses. You know, I've I've got we, we have a team that can adapt. We have a team that can put out and I can put out a formation that suits a particular style of play that I want to play home or away. I'm assessing the opposition if that's what he's truly doing and he's looking and he's saying, right, well he, I'm playing Wolves today and I'm and, and explains himself and where his formation came from because he was trying to nullify X or nullify Y or nullify Z. That's fine. That, that's what that's that's what we do. That's what we're doing as supporters. So when we're questioning him. Or question his formation, or question his his team's performance. We're looking at it and thinking, as we did a couple of weeks ago, you cannot play so and so's team in the manner that you played in the same way as you. So you cannot line up against Manchester United and sit back and allow them to play the ball around you in the way that you did against West Ham, or the way that you did against Burnley, or whoever it happens to be. So. We always know that. I mean, I read an I read an interesting article this morning where Ryan Giggs was talking, and he said that Alex Ferguson took him out of five games in a row, and he said because he wanted him fresh for one particular game in in six games time, because he was playing against a particular midfielder. It was actually the Chelsea game they were playing against Michael Ballack, and he said, "I'm going to rest you for five games because we're playing Chelsea, and it's an important game in six games time." And you're going to be up against Michael Ballack in centre midfield. It's not a position that you normally play, but I'm going to be playing you in centre midfield. And you're a, you're a wide left-sided midfielder, and I'm going to play you down the middle as though you're a left-sided midfielder where you're going to run at Michael Ballack because I know that Michael Ballack does not like people running at him. And so that told you that the manager was already setting things up for way, way in the future for a particular game. And that's all you're on about. That's all you're saying is, like, you're picking your team because you're looking at your opposition. And you're not looking necessarily at your opposition and what they can do to you. You're looking at your opposition and what your team can do to them. And you're lining up and you're saying, you know what? I've, I've spotted a weakness in their team and, and my formation is going to exploit their weakness. Not, I'm going to... I'm gonna Put a team out that makes sure that I don't get exploited by their attacking prowess or their particular. So I'm not going in with a fear. I'm going in there with a strategy and a plan. 
And maybe, maybe we look at it too deeply. Maybe we look at it too much. Maybe we analyse it too much. Um, and maybe we're not giving him the credit for where he ends up in terms of points. And, you know, fair enough. But it's that, it's that modern idiom of the game that we feel as though, or that experience um, that we keep hearing he's got, that we're questioning as in, what we're actually physically seeing, and it's and it's not personal. Which you know, we're not doing it personal. We're just, it's just observations on what we're seeing, and and assessing the the teams that we're up against and the squad that we've got. And and the good thing is, Steve, that football's about opinions, and we all have an opinion on what the lineup should be, and we all have an opinion at half time of what we've done wrong and what we're doing right. And your opinion and Mitch's opinion might be totally different to mine, but that's yep. not a problem. And Steve doesn't need to necessarily get wrapped up in that either, you know. And you know, because at the end of the day, it's it's his job. It's it's on the line, not my job, not your job, not Rich's job. It's his job. You know, fair enough, you know. Yeah, no, good points, mate. Good points. Um, Mitch, BZG, a buy in Derby mm. <laughs> for a quid. What's going on there? Yep. Any news on that? And uh, of course, BZG for uh, all of the uh, all of those who've been living right. in underground okay. for years, obviously wanted to buy Newcastle. Um, now they seem to be buying Derby. So, any news from Midhat? Yeah, spoke to them today. Um, they're certainly involved. Um, I genuinely still don't know whether they are the majority investor or just part of an investor. Um, it it reflects, I think, their desire to get involved in football in the UK, but I suspect highly reflects on the um, impact of COVID and beyond on the ability of BZG to invest in a club. Um. I don't know what the relationship between them and the two Swiss-based investors is. Um, I certainly know that the um, the guy that we were working with, with BZG, to get them back at the table with the NUFC, um, he's not happy. <laughs> um, I think that's that's an understatement from uh, stuff I've shared with Steve today. <laughs> um, but I need to know more. I, I, today was genuine, genuinely revelation to me in the middle of me being taken apart by Moni May Ashley, to be fair. Um, <laughs> you weren't so, really, Don't get yourself too down about that, mate. Honestly, no, but you know, look at uh, you know, I, I've got that going on. Then I've got going people going, "What about Benzai Group?" And I'm like, "What about Benzai Group?" Um, it, it it certainly explains why um, Midhat is being cagey on a few things. Look, I knew, and I think Steve will say we we both knew probably about two or three months ago that there were. Um, interested in other English clubs, that's not a problem. Um, to me, their their portfolio post post COVID 
must have taken a hit because most of it was property based here in the UAE, which, you know, I've got mates who are, who currently are negotiating rental agreements with the landlords and they're talking about 40 to 40 to 50 percent reductions on their rent. So if your your portfolio is based on rental income, work it out. Yeah. You know, you've you, you, in in the, in the last two weeks you've just had everything torpedoed. You know, so um, I would like to know more. I'm quite sure I'm going to get to know more. Um, but um, Derby's an interesting club to invest in. In terms of, yep, they've got a stadium you don't have to do much with for all its identical. Um, they do have a decent academy set up still. So there's things there to invest in. Uh, I think the investment partners in Switzerland need to be looked at closely, perhaps. Don't know. Um, I know they've got connections to a previous bid and takeover at Reading, which again has question marks. So there's a lot of things that I look at that with what they've done and think, okay, I don't know. Really don't know. If they're going to get the best of what Steve and I understood from it, good luck with them. Because, dear me, they're going to get, they really are going to get something special. Um, Midhat is an interesting and um, complex individual who I really do genuinely have a lot of time for. Um, and I'm quite sure that I'll be invited for a coffee at some time. Let's see. No when I am. Do you know what? I'll turn, sit down with him and say, right, what can I say? Yep, good stuff, mate. Um, Steve, was, was it a surprise to you, just briefly? Yeah, it was, perfectly honest, because I, I thought that uh, from from the whispers that I'd heard that it would be a different football club that uh, would interest them. It wasn't It wasn't Derby. Um, a London-based? Well, a London-based, or I thought Leeds United would be the sort of club that they would go for because it's Premier League. Um, I'm surprised they'd go for a, 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 a championship club. Um, I'm sceptical about how, as Neil says, about how deeply their involvement will be, whether they're just fronting it up on behalf of somebody else um, or whether they're just um, minority partners, but um, using the Bin Zayed group name or, more importantly, using the Sheikh's name to move it forward. Who knows? Um, it'll all come out in the wash. Um there's an awful lot of speculation about football clubs at the moment. There seems to be an awful lot of people who are are willing to or appear to be willing to take football clubs on. We're here in Burnley have got a buyer um, that's supposed to be uh, coming out the woodwork for, for that one. We're hearing that um, Burnley also apparently their 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 deal also has two or three people sitting in the background saying if that one fails, then we'll step in. Um, you often wonder whether or not, when you hear stuff like this, that stalking horses are put out there. And um, we've been there with Newcastle, haven't we? We all know. Yeah. Um, and there's a long. There's, there's, it's either all done and dusted, and it's going to happen within a week. 
because it's the AFL and the AFL are, are you know so wrapped up in other things that they'll just they'll just go you know what we're not interested in uh, owners and directors tests we're not interested in the quality of the merchandise that's being put up on offer in terms of the cash we'll just take the money um we'll just we'll just see what 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 can be squeezed out of it and that's the same with the buyers and it, i think a lot of it comes down to what we what we've said neil and steve about um the whole covid situation the 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 state of the football the state of football in in the uk the state in particular of the efl the state of mm. certain football clubs within that who are literally hanging on by a thread um the the disparaging remarks that are made by the likes of um, Parry, um, the way that the FA have um, shambolically gone about uh, their business with Clark, the 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 head of the head of the FA, um, what's come out in the last week about football in general, um, and mainly about Project Big Picture, um, and 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 all of that, and to me. Um, it shows that there's nobody. Well, first of all, the whole of the strata of football in 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 England, um, right from the top, the FA, the EFL, the Premier League, the individuals involved, the personalities. Now they're not just individuals, but these people are turning into personalities that are running the game. Um, there needs to be root and branch uh, change. Um, but will you? And <laughs> this goes back to a, a phrase. Well, partly a phrase that we used early. Will the turkeys vote for Christmas? Will the guys? <laughs> will the guys? No, will the guys at the top of football do anything to change the administration of football? No, they won't unless the government steps in. And this is where people like Tom Greatrex, who's the uh, the head of the the Supporters Trust at Fulham, who is a, a parliament, a former parliamentarian. It's people like him that know the political situation and and are very very switched on um in in the football echelons and that's where you also get people like ian mens our good friend who is also involved with the football parliamentary committee and and that's where the pressure needs to come to bear because we need to we need to know what these people are doing these people who are administrating the game what game are they administrating um mm. they, they, let's take the call that came out about the premier league and and about giving money to the efl why and, and and the the Premier League are getting slagged off because they're saying, well, there was only going to be um, it was only going to be it was going to be two hundred and fifty million pound deal, but there was only really one hundred and fifty million, and there was strings attached. Why are the strings attached? Why is why are the strings attached to to giving um, the seventy two uh, other football clubs in the in the EFL money? The reason the strings attached is because the first thing that the owners are going to do is going to go excellent. Now I can clear out. I can get my money back. There's been a lump sum put into my football club. Now I can legitimately turn around and take money out of my football mm. club. And what does that leave? That leaves the football club, the structure, the the ground, the players. It leaves everybody in the lurch, and the old and and the owners go. Well, at least I've got my money out. So until <laughs> that's what the Premier League. That I mean, yeah. as, as much as we're we're. Uh, where we're harping on about the way the Premier League are running the game at the moment at the top level, that's where the reluctance comes to hand over cash because you don't know who you're handing it over to. You could be handing it over to the owner of Berry. If this was last season, the owner of Berry, who would would or the owner of of um, Wigan, who would immediately close the football club down anyway. 
as long as they've got their personal money back out of the football club, because that's what these guys do. These guys are just in it for themselves. That's the Steve, deal. Have, have you seen the um, the uh, the interview with the? I think it's the Mansfield CEO. Yes. In the last twenty four hours, right? Classic, absolute classic. What we've been talking about for the last what two months, um, where he says, "Yeah, it's crunch time. Everything's going to go tits up." Next two months, you're going to see clubs going to, but we're going to be okay. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we, it won't be us, but it'll be, there'll be other clubs. And you're like, really? Are you still playing that tune? Yep. Are you still playing that tune? I'm all right. Where, yep. Exactly. Where the, the 72 clubs are losing 25 million a month collectively, but you're going to be okay. But everybody else isn't. Yeah. Dear me. Really? Our, our friends down the river, our friends on the on the. Oh, next- don't get me there. Yeah, yeah, God. Their, their former, their former executive was is named on on documents and pleas on behalf of the EFL to sort yes. the football out, finances out. It was only a couple of months ago that they took twenty five million pound out of the football club, and well, now the football club's got nothing. Well, yep. so you're going to look at it, and the Premier League look. top class are going to go. Well, I tell you what, put the twenty five million back in, and then we'll think about it. You know. This is the problem, yeah. you know. It, there's nothing. There was nothing in the in the rules and regulations that stopped Donald taking his twenty five million. But now nope. they're in poverty, and now they're saying that Again. the could be another, could be a fortnight or three weeks or a month away from going bust. Well, the one May- the twenty five million. How is Again, it comes back to the conversation we had this week. When somebody we have both worked with over the last what five six years turned around and said, "The club that will go first is Sunderland." Yes. And yep. then the rest will go like dominoes. And me and you both went, "Really?" Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still adamant about that. Yep. And why well, was he? And, and that, like for me. Why does it hmm? topple like dominoes? It topple like dominoes because every club owes another club money. Yes. When one club dies, the next club suffers. So that club suffers. So that club goes and demands the money from the clubs that are owed money, that they're owed money from. And so it hmm. goes on and so on. So the whole concertina just completely goes bang like that. And. D- yep. You've got to remember. I mean, I, I I do have a lot of sympathy for for the foot for for a lot of football clubs because the reason we're in this mess is because of COVID. Because the government's yes. decided people can't go in yes. and watch football because those clubs are relying on the supporters. Oh yes, of course, relying on all of a sudden we're relying on supporters, but that's the that's the fact, and that's the fact that that gets lost in in the myriad of other issues that we get thrown at us in football mm. all the way along when it comes to TV deals the, fo- the fans don't come into consideration when it comes to kickoff times the fans don't come into consideration when it when it comes to to so many other issues we get we as fans get thrown out Absolutely of our nothing 
decisions that are made on on whether you can drink in a football ground, decisions that are made whether you can drink on a coach when you go to watch a game away, decisions on whether you're going to get locked into a ground. All of those impact us. But now, that when they're all desperate for money, it's like, oh, we need the fans, we need the fans. Right? So that's part of this big change that needs to happen in in football. And that's and that's why the likes of Tom Greatmix and the rest of the guys and the guys in the FSA, that's why they're going. That's why you need to involve fans. When you when you restructure the football that desperately needed, that's why fans need to have a say. And whether whether we agree or disagree or whether we have personal angst or no personal angst towards towards individuals or organisations, at the end of the day, that's why fans need to stick together when push comes to shove, because otherwise we're getting we're the ones who are getting shoved and we're the ones who are being asked to dip in our back pocket. It's an absolute scandal. And yes, as I said, I have sympathy for the football clubs. I have sympathy for Sunderland. I have sympathy for, for all the other clubs in the lower leagues. But some of them put themselves into this situation. And mm-hmm. it's a situation of their own doing. Sunderland's situation is a situation of their owner's own doing. And they're not the only football club in the 72 that are in that. Not Absolutely not. Um. It's a total mess, a total mess. But what we've got to be careful of is who's putting it back together and how it's put back together. Yeah. And it should not be put back together by six clubs sitting at the top of the pyramid, not by not by Manchester United and Liverpool and Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal and Man City. They're not the people that put football right. Absolutely no. not. No, uh, Steve. That's what we've got to fight about. Steve says he loves a hasty rant, and uh, Mark saying I should get a word in. Man, I don't mind sitting here. I like listening to the lads. It's all about opinions. <laughs> and, uh, my two mates have got uh, plenty of opinions. Believe you me. Um, takeovers do happen quickly, Mitch. Is probably what uh, what I want to what I want to move on to now. Burnley more or looks more or less look like it could have been done in about a month. What do you make of that? Yeah. Well, I've got some opinions on that. I bet you um, <laughs> mm, Look, the, 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 if the, the lad that's the lawyer that's allegedly brokering it is involved, look at his history. Look at his history. He, he, he's effectively an asset stripper. Um, that would worry me. Um, the Egyptian lad who's behind it um, actually has Dubai connections. Now, done a bit of digging and... I would be concerned if he was buying our club, that's for sure. Mm. And I wonder where the money's actually coming from. And he has some interesting Eastern European connections. And he had a food-related empire here in Dubai. And then he made a big statement about how he wanted to be involved with the smart Dubai government, and then he disappeared off the face of the earth. Hmm. You know, interesting. Um, that's not to say he doesn't have the money or he doesn't have good intention or what have you. Um, but um, the one thing I will say, if the lawyer who was brokering this deal is also involved in the actual um, 
makeup of the board that takes over the club, we have some serious questions to ask of the Premier League about their owners and directors' tests and how they apply it. It's as simple as that. And then um, I suspect the QC who is behind the current legal action against the uh, Premier League about competition has a wonderful silver bullet taken loading his gun and fire in their direction. What do you reckon, Steve? I think you're spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um, the way that the the way if this if this railroads through and if mm. it, if it's done in the manner of of some of the things I've heard, you know, um, let put it this way: at the, the script I heard from someone who knows people in the Premier League was that um, your castle are not popular, not popular no. at all within the of the Premier League, be it at board level or be it with other clubs. It could become very popular with other clubs. Very popular indeed. But at the minute, they're not popular. And why are they not popular? Because that's mm-hmm. the parapet. But I tell you what, the, he- the parapet that we're sticking my head above could well be occupied by Burnley very, very soon. <laughs> because if Burnley don't get their own way on their takeover, that's two clubs getting knocked back on an owners and directors test. And it, it, it becomes it becomes a, a, a problem for the Premier League. But at the minute, we're not popular. We are not popular with the Premier League. We're not popular because of what Mike Ashley said about pay-per-view. Because mm. he stepped he stepped out of line. He he stepped away from what they wanted. They didn't want that conversation. And I'm convinced that the reason we didn't get a decision on pay-per-view on Tuesday, which Let's face it, most of the most of the big press guys were convinced it was going to come down to five quid and that a decision was going to be made for the start of November that it would be five quid rather than 15 quid. That decision didn't happen. And it didn't happen because 24 hours earlier, or less than that, Mike Ashley came out and said he didn't agree with pay-per-view and happy with it. And that means that straight away he stepped out of line. Newcastle United are not in line with what the Premier League wanted because they didn't want clubs speaking out of turn because that's not the way that you do things. And Mike Ashley stuck or Mike Ashley's putting Newcastle United's head above the parapet now, and we're a target. And where where whether or not the other Premier League owners will twig on, will the will the thirteen who are not part of the six suddenly realise? Hang on a minute. We get shafted every way, shape, and form. We're the ones, it's our fans, the majority of the lower league, the lower clubs within the 13, 14, like Newcastle United, who are, are being hammered by pay per view. It's our fans. Maybe we should be sticking up for our fans, not sticking up for taking the money. And it's it's those type of little subliminal arguments that are gonna start to resonate within managers or sorry not within managers within owners of Premier League clubs because they're then gonna go when they get back and start thinking about it they're gonna go oh, maybe he's actually had a had a good point there. Actually it is our fans because they're being put under pressure by their own fans. Because let's face it, the football clubs that are having to pay that extra fifteen pound are gonna are gonna be shouting their mouth off and 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 
We've seen what it's done. We've seen what charity, not pay-per-view, has done and how it's embarrassed. And the Premier League are, were embarrassed by it. And, and that's why they wanted to have the conversation about either scrapping pay-per-view or at least reducing the cost. It shouldn't be reducing the cost. It should be scrapped altogether. I'll not be happy until it's gone. I'll not be happy until it until it's disappeared. But that's not because I want this to carry on and I want the argument so that we're, we're all still carrying on putting money into food. It's simply because it's the wrong way. It's a PR disaster for the Premier League. And the longer we shout and the longer we put pressure on the Premier League, the better. Because at the minute, they are absolutely cacking themselves, quite frankly, about the PR disaster that they've created for themselves. And 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 is Mike Ash Ashley exploiting it? Probably, because he's very good at that. And and you know mm. what? For the first time, Newcastle fans are going, Yeah, well done, well done. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be sort of thinking that he's suddenly become so some sort of like uh, messiah for us all. You know, that's not that's not sort of beat about the bush. He, he suddenly hasn't had this most amazing mea culpa moment. But on this particular topic, he's doing the fighting because it's it suits them and it suits Newcastle United. And the end result might suit us as football fans because it, I think it's all part of a much, much bigger game that wraps around the takeover. Yeah, for me, Steve, it's a strange one. And I think it will only... It will only help us if you know they do get knocked back. You know that's going to be the big test. If they do get knocked back, then you know suddenly there's going to be a big furore and um, there's going to be questions asked. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Emma Jemmons, I had to leave that on. That's got to be the best uh, best thing of the night. Misheard acid stripper as acid tripper. Ah, yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Jason Carter's got a question for you though, Steve. He says, are you saying that the Premier League and its cartel affiliates are running scared in this case, in case the Apple cart is turned over? Um, yes. I think they are running scared. I think, they're, I think they're running scared of what might come out. And that's why I think we've, we've said for we've said for months in, in a lot of things, deals are there to be done. We said it about the takeover. We said it what, three months ago. Deals are there to be done. There's a deal that needs to be made. And I think the Premier League are probably being driven to the point where a deal does, does need to be made. Because otherwise, mm. the stuff that will come out, the stuff that they don't want to hear, the stuff that's already been leaked is just as probably a you know the, the, the situation with with Hoffman, the situation with Masters, the situation of the six, the way that the two suddenly turned into a six, which is actually apparently only going to be a five. The fact that the F, that FIFA are now coming out and denying anything to with belief to FIFA, all of those type of things. The fact that FIFA wanted to step on the U, on UEFA's lawn and get involved in club football when FIFA mm -hmm. is there for international football only. Um, all of those things. This is this is greed. This is a this is people people taking advantage of COVID and taking advantage of situations. And uh, yes, I think they are worried and scared about what they will have to disclose if it gets to court, because a judge is going to ask, you know, and I'm sure that the guys who are going to be asking the questions are going to be asking the right questions because they'll have done their homework. No, no, there's no doubt in my mind that these guys have done their homework 
and are continuing to do their homework and will be well prepared. Will the Premier League be prepared? Or are the Premier League thinking that these guys are just two-bit football fans? Don't underestimate Newcastle fans. That's what I would say. Do not underestimate Newcastle fans because yep. we're the most educated football fans mm -hmm. in Britain. Scousers are educated in football, no question. Don't have any problem with that and people saying that they're not educated. But when it comes to when it comes down to the fact that what we've been through and what we go through and have put up with with a no trophy cabinet for what 50 odd years, um we can we can take anything and we can throw anything and we are switched on and we, and and if if the if the fan group that's running this isn't switched on, I will be amazed. Absolutely amazed. Not long to go, half an hour, if you want to get your points across tonight. Um, Mitch, is, uh, Mitch is hanging on by a thread there after his uh, session today. Uh, but you're doing well, mate. You're doing well. Nearly there, nearly there. Um, look, uh, season ticket holders, uh, season ticket holders have reason to celebrate this week. Newcastle United finally uh, made a made a statement, Mitch, um, to say that uh, if you contact at the box office, you might get your money back. <laughs> About time. More than about time, really. And I know Steve's been working with them to try and steer them in that direction. And to be fair, the trust have been working in that direction to try and get them to do something similar. And I know Steve and Thomas from the trust have worked very hard with um, Lee Marshall to try and come up with something. Uh, that something is as ever may not be enough for some people but is at least in line with the other Premier League clubs Yeah, we are still in the dark about what's going to happen about um, attendances and grounds and how many people may be or may not be let in um, to be fair that that at the end of the day is the biggest thing um, because you can't nail it down. You can't say this is after this point, this is what we're going to let in. And this, you know, I've, I've seen what, what Steve shared with me in terms of the whole trying to work out how many people could theoretically get into St. James's Park. Um, it made 3D chess look positively simple. One of this um, comes up the back of last week, of course, when a thousand West Ham fans were sitting in the cinema watching West Ham yeah. play. And Norwich yeah. had people in executive boxes. Norwich had people in, in executive boxes. boxes. Yeah. And and I believe, um, again, come back to a club I've talked about repeatedly, Stevenage um, allowed groups of six in their bars. <laughs> While the game's going on, on the other side of curtains, pulled across on their executive boxes. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Can you not, like, put... I, I know they were told what was 5%, so, like, what, 4,000, which is, again, look at the transmission 
statistics and all of that for for COVID. And, and it's difficult. Look, I, I get it. I totally get it. I deal with it every day. There's a reason why my AC in the practice is shit at the moment because the amount of filters and stuff I've had to put into it to ensure certain air exchange and certain viral particle filters. So I spend the entire time getting steamed up with me loops and me mask and all of that on. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, but I still don't get why you can put 1.5 billion into the arts and say you're going to have a thousand people in uh, Albert Hall for this, that, the other. But then you're going to just let football clubs go and be damned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Steve, that's Steve, not right. You're spot on. That, that, that's absolutely spot on. And I mean, when when we looked, when I look back, we had a, we, we did have a meeting with the football club. Um, it was a Zoom meeting, and there was there was ten or twelve um, representatives from um, various fan groups uh, in attendance. You know, there was the lads from the the uh, Newcastle United Supporters Club London, the the Disabled Supporters Club. There was lads who were, and lasses who were represent the long distance supporters who raised some very interesting questions um, about um, if the if there was a lot allowed in. Would the club still allow fans to travel? Um, was there going to be a distance? How were they going to do? Lots of questions were thrown at them that allowed that gave the club food for thought. Um, Thomas and, and myself kind of took the lead in terms of trying to pull something together. In uh, after the conversation we had with some ideas on how things could go forward, um, there was going to be a press release which the club um, wanted to manage, and 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 Thomas and I worked on that for a, for a few days to give our point of view, um, the point of view from from ourselves, the the the. the the, the people that I talked to, the likes of yourself and, and Neil and Bill Corcoran and Zara and the rest of the team and, and people who were involved in NUSC Fans United, uh, Thomas on behalf of the of the trust board. And we worked really well together um, and, and everybody got a chance to input into it. Everybody got a chance to to to, to comment and to, and to put in their particular um, issues that they had, their particular questions. That, like questions that I had, were totally different and, and issues that, that, that might have occurred to me or didn't occur to me that occurred to, to people who are going to travel from, say, Norfolk or um, North Wales or South Wales or wherever and, and how they get to the match and how they would be, where they could stay, what, all of those type of things. And it, re it raises some, some really interesting points. And um, so the, the, I also saw the hard work and the effort that had been put in by the football club uh, because with because at the time everyone was convinced that we we're going to be back in on that on that Burnley fixture at the beginning of October, and because that's what everything was targeted. And obviously the whole thing then went uh, went apart, didn't it? You know, and and the the government sort of uh, decided that it wasn't going to happen. Yet they can allow three thousand people into the Royal Opera House or wherever it is to to watch a, a, a particular musical event. Um, simply because they're wearing face masks and because Andrew Lloyd Webb has arranged for them to walk through some sort of spray system. You know, God, I mean, how weird. This is, it, it, it's been a joke. Um, and, and we've seen football in Germany and we've seen football in France and in it, um, where fans have been allowed back in. Um, we've seen Manchester United now pushing 23,000 to get into, into Old Trafford very, very safely. And that's what they've been, even though that particular area is in, in Code 3 or Phase 3 of, of, of lockdown, which we are not. Um, I think the most Newcastle could get in was 17,000. 
Um, and that was if everybody went in their own bubble of six. So you had to create a bubble of six and you had to be living in a bubble of six. So obviously that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, there, there was, there was well, what do you do if, if you go and you sit independently? What the gap has to be? How many people, how many spare seats has there got to be above you? How many spare seats below you? And when they did, when they did the modelling on that, the attendance was going to be something like 7,000. Well, the question is, is 7,000 better than nothing? And then the question is, which 7,000? And if 35,000 supporters, you got like, so you're going to go in one in six games, and that's just with the season ticket holders of your 35,000 season ticket holders. So you would, get, you would get the option of one in six games. And this is when the problem arises with the football club in terms of, well, how do we pay people back? And, and, and the criticism that, that they've got is you're still collecting the money. And the reason they're still collecting the money is because they think that there's at some point in time that the fans are going to be allowed back in. And are they going to be allowed back in in, in massive multitudes or is it going to be limited? And I, I could criticise them for taking the money. What I will say is that if, if you are a fan and you are struggling and you want your money back, they're probably, and, and, and reading into it, it looks like they're going to carry on taking your direct debit. And so every month you're going to be paying for it. But at the end of that month, if you want the money back, ring them up and say, I, I need that money back now. And I know that sounds ridiculous, and I know it sounds farcical, but the option is that you don't do that, and it, and it, and it just rolls up and mounts up and mounts up. I think the other carrot that they, that they threw in, um, and I, that... I can understand in a way that they're saying that there's going to be no price increase next season. That we're going to be, you know, the prices are going to be the same next season as they are this season. So it's going to be, it's going to cost you the same not to watch a game next season as it was cost you not to watch a game this season. I, I, you could argue that. Um, well, it's, it's, great if we're, it's great if we're in the Premier League, but if we're well, in the Championship, which is where Steve Bruce could end up taking with, that's not so, that's not so good news. But remember what they did the last time, Steve. They said it's the same price, but you're going to get extra games. <laughs> oh, that's right. Exactly. Oh, I didn't. He didn't yeah, miss a trick. That's right. But I mean, get, getting back to the to the to the nub of it, um, the, the, they, do, do they do they do things right? There's certain people up the football club who try to do things right all the time. Which and and it's and the the work and their socks off and that when I saw the plans that they had and I saw the amount of work that had been done on the model and and it, it was so disappointing for those people and it was so disappointing for the supporters that we that we then got that first of October knockback, um you know it really was uh, because it it would have been good to have fans uh, in the ground, um but the situation is as it is now, Steve. You know, there's nothing we can do about it. And I think, as 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 we all know, the way things are going, there's not going to be it's it's not going to be this season, is it? I'll be amazed yeah. if the government, well, they're turning around and trying to put what all into phase three, and and they're picking off areas left, right, and centre, and going, are oh, you going into phase three um, or level three? Uh, at the same time, are they going to say, oh, but we'll let you into a football ground? Nah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you need your money, get in touch with the box office and ask for you. And you'll get your money. That's what I yeah. would say. You know, that's, that's literally all we can say now. 
Yep, simple advice, good advice, and that is exactly what you have to do. So from your perspective, guys, if uh, you want your money back, uh, just get in touch with the box office, as Steve says, and you will get your money back. Uh, tomorrow night show, 6 o'clock, I will be on with Ian Mearns. Uh, that will be the final show sponsored by Darren Baldwin Funerals. Um Basically, they've sponsored StreamYard for the last month, which a uh, big, big thank you to them. They've been absolutely brilliant. They have said they're going to come back in January. So Darren Baldwin Funerals, uh, we'll give them a, a push one more time tomorrow. Uh, local independent family business, 24-hour service. And a big thank you as well, as always, to qtechshop.co.uk. Makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle, who've also been a great sponsor and who've also knocked up the snazzy t shirts. Uh, $14.99, uh, com. You can buy one if you want one. And uh, not forgetting, of course, that QTech have also donated that, which uh, George Mitchell uh, bid £150 for uh, to raise the money for the food bank. And uh, we now have a new one, which will go on my Twitter tonight. Uh, bid on that up until uh, up until Monday night, and I will announce the winner on Ladies' Night. All proceeds going to the food bank. Anniversary today of a big win against one of Steve Bruce's teams, Caramba. Sunderland. Yeah, ten years ago, Kevin Nolan got a hat trick against Sunderland in a five-one win uh, for Chris Hutton's Newcastle United. And uh, just been sent this lovely photo, which apparently was on the Chronicle Live. Um, Dave Morton's done a wonderful piece about the, the late, great Nobby Styles, who's just passed away today. And uh, there he is at St. James's Park with Dennis Law, um, Nobby Styles, and of course, the big Leap the Wind Davies. Uh, yeah. Lovely photograph that. Big thank you for sending that in. Uh, last uh, 20 minutes of the show now, we're going to look at uh, look ahead to tomorrow's game against Everton and uh, Newcastle, uh, Sunday's game, sorry, against Everton. And uh, we take them on. Uh, Probably at a good time, it has to be said. It's 2 o'clock, live on Sky Sports, not pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, Newcastle, of course, missing John Joe Shelby, Martin Dubravka, Dwight Gale and Matt Ritchie. Uh, Jamal Lascelles is now doubtful after to Steve, uh, the revelation at Steve Bruce's press conference today. The good news is Isaac Hayden's available. Matty Longstaff, Paul Dummett and Kieran Clark have all now returned to the senior squad. Uh, they've also played for the reserve side, uh, um, trying to get back from their injuries. So, Few options uh, for Steve Bruce on Sunday. Carlo uh, Ancelotti in his press conference said that James Rodriguez is going to miss the game on Sunday. Of course, he's the Colombian that scored three times so far in his uh, debut Premier League season. They're also without Lucas Digne. He was sent off at Southampton on Sunday. The appeal saw his original ban reduced to one game. And Richarlison sits out the visit to Newcastle as well. He was red-carded against Liverpool. Uh, Seamus Coleman uh, and Jean-Philippe Gambane both remain sidelined as well. So uh, the good news, lads, is that Everton haven't won a game that Richarlison's missed, Mitch. Mm. Now that's, a, that's an interesting stat. But those those records tend to be broken when they play Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, every time. Now I was talking to, um, talking to a lad called John John used to run um, the bar in uh, Le Petit Belgian Motor City, which is actually where the, the mags used to get in Dubai. We when we when we found another bar that we could get everybody into, John actually opened the bar up the way. And John's a good lad. He's he's a 
interesting character. He's, he's an Evertonian who used to work for Liverpool. Um, who says the only time he ever got a written warning at work was when he worked for Liverpool and they gave them a load of boss suits. But to get around the tax law, they put the Liverpool crest on all the, the shirt pockets of the boss suits. And so he spent two nights unpicking the badges from the suits and then got a written warning, apparently. Um and it, it, it honestly is a super lad. Um, used to he, he keeps a really good boy. His reputation in Dubai is about keeping a good bar, and we found this really good place that we had as our own. And then, as as a result of COVID, the whole thing's been shut, and we're now currently struggling to find another bar for us. Um, I was talking to John today. I think he says they're between suspensions and injury are missing about five players. And he, he, he his his words to me were, "This this results yours, mate." <laughs> he 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 feels that the Richardson and Hammers, um, and I think it, uh, he listed another three or four who are out through injury or suspension this weekend, and and he. Totally convinced we're going to do them. Um, I'm not, to be fair. I think they've, I think they've had a very good start this season. I think they're a very good team. Um, but if they're missing that amount of talent, um, we've got to punch a punch us chance. So it's it, it, it's the classic. Um, I'll do what I did last week. You know, you think it'd be contrarian and you go for a one-one draw. I'll take a one-one draw again. Okay, well, we'll see uh, see how it all pans out. We have had uh, the, the tactics board sent in by somebody today. Uh, this is this is it. <laughs> I'll uh, if you just give us two seconds, I'll remove that from the uh, the comments. There you go. Uh, I've got a plan for Everton Lake, and there it is. Wilson up front, and everybody else there. That's uh, very good, very humorous. <laughs> Steve, if that's the case, so I haven't got a cat and else chance. No, exactly, exactly. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I enjoy games against Everton because they're always like full-blooded. They're always good. The, the, the last couple of games that we've played against them, they're, they're, you know, they're, they've always been a decent footballing team. They're, they're, and I think they play their, I think they play their football the right way. Um, got some good friends. I mean, Dave Kelly, who runs the uh, fan support and food banks down in Liverpool, is an Evertonian. Um, and he's and he's a smashing guy. Dave Byrne, uh, Ian Byrne, who runs the, the the with him is a great Liverpudlian, and uh, now an MP uh, for West Derby. Um, so the, the listen to those two and the competitions that they have between them and the and the banter is really good. Um, but Dave's a sound guy. Um, he came up and I, I was telling the guys when he, when they came up the last time, and it was quite interesting because I, I remember having the. Having the word with Billy, who uh, Bill, who's one of the one of another one of their um, co-founders, that um, that I, I was really impressed with uh, Calvert Lewin last season. I said, if you, if, at the time you, you, there was he was struggling to get a game. There was he wasn't necessarily always first choice. I said I would take Calvert Lewin off tomorrow. And the the word on the lads was, well, you can have him if you want. Which which now, when you look back and you, you see how he's how he's performed subsequently since Ancelotti's taken over as the manager, is is, is amazing, you know. Um, but but they are they are they are a good team. I know that this, some Newcastle fans don't like Everton. You know that they, they, they get called the 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 scouts Mackhams and stuff like that in in the banter, which is always quite amusing. Um, but they are they are decent lads, and, and we've, we've got to get away from that sort of sort of. Um, 
Liverpool, Everton, Newcastle, uh, anger that we have because at the end of the day, Liverpool and Newcastle are two cities that are very, very similar. We'll go through we we'll go through exactly the same problems. We have the same urban decay. We have the same um, manner in which we're looked after by the government or not, as the case may be. Um, to the football, it's one of another one of the reasons why I was. If if this game I was playing at St James's Park, I would be really excited because I would be I would be looking forward to seeing Hammers play. Now I'm hearing that he's injured, um, which is is good for us in terms of. You know, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be watching a world-class footballer. Uh, I'm not going to see him playing against us. But in, in terms of watching him live, I all, I'm, I'm always impressed when we get the opportunity to see, to see a really, really, really top-class footballer. And I think James Rodriguez is one of those. There aren't that many around. Um, the, the injuries could play into our hands. You're dead right. Um, we, we, we didn't do too badly last week. Um, you know, we, we we got the result that that probably uh, I'll not say we deserve, but we got a we got a point that, that that we benefited from, which is all good. And everybody talks about the look of Bruce and such like. Uh, but tomorrow could be an opportunity. Or month Sunday could be an opportunity for us to actually show that we can play football against a team that's going to have at least five changes. Um, and it's how you set up. The big problem is we never know how Bruce is going to set up. We don't know. And even when we set it up, we don't know how we're going to play because we look at it and go, oh, we're playing five at the back. Is it five at the back? Is it actually four at the back? Is it three at the back? We're never too sure. Oh, look. I mean, last week we all said uh, he's playing five at the back and he's got three up front and he's got two holding midfielders and it was actually one up front, three in the middle <laughs> and five at the back and people scattered all over the place. You know, so we... I have no idea what shape we play now. I have no idea what formation we're putting out. And even when I see the formation, I have no idea how that formation is going to perform on the pitch and what their instruction is. And I also have no idea how it's going to adapt during the game. I'm, I'm bewildered, Steve. I'm really, really bewildered by it. So, um, as always, I go into a game... Probably, should I use the word confident? No, I go into a game hopeful that we can get three points. Um, on paper, with the injuries they've got, Newcastle United should be well able and well equipped to take on and beat an Everton. Because I've seen Newcastle beat Everton many, many times and beat them well. Let's see, let's see what this team can do with... with Probably one change. Let's see what this team can do um, on Sunday. Um, shall I stick my neck out and go for a, 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 a score, Steve? Do you want us to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, mate. Go for it. Right. Let, let, let's say uh, 3 1. I'm, I'm, I'm just going for Stewie's. Stewie's puts yeah. it <laughs> 3-1, and I never, ever agree with him. Um, but I, let, let's say, let, let's go for a 3 1 win. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we can attack them. Let's see if we can, without you know, let, let's hope. I'm, I'm going in with hope that we can actually play some decent football. We can take them on. We can show them with the changes that they're going to have to make that we are a force. We can play a football, uh, and that he can put him, that Bruce can pit himself against Ancelotti, a top class manager, and, and show his worth. Go for it. Okay, Paul McCarthy says three shots. Do you mean Steve? 
Uh, yeah, possible. <laughs> hey, three shots, three goals. You know, it's the three. It's the three Oh, go on then, Mitch. Give us your prediction before I ask the the, the final question of the night. I'll I'll take a draw. You take one a draw. One. Okay, one one. All right. I'll I'll give my prediction on match day live. Of course, we will have all the gang on. Uh, we'll be giving a live commentary throughout the match on Sunday. Uh, we'll be on air from half past one. Midfield, Mitch. That's the final question of the night. Um, Super Mac on uh, the show mm. on Thursday suggested playing Murphy in there. Uh, alongside Sean Longstaff, what's your thoughts on that? Who, uh, you know, would you go with Supermax prediction, Mitch, or would you, uh, no. would you, no. who would you, who would you go for in midfield, mate? Murphy, Murphy seems to be somebody who thrives out wide, and and if you look at um, the game against Wolves, um, he did well out wide, and then okay, he he took his free kick fabulously. Um, I think it's time, if Hayden's fit, it's time for Sean Longstaff to say, right, this is my job. It's not anybody else's job, it's my job. So, Sean, you lay, lay a marker down. And if it's not you, it's your younger brother. But you've got the first up, you're the first cab off the rank. That <laughs> I don't think there's don't think Shelby's um, done anything to justify it. And so if he's dealing with his injury and inverted commas, then fine. Um, so if we've got a centre midfield and if Hayden's fit, then for me, the next cab off of the rank is Sean Longstaff. So go for it. You do it. Make that position yours. Make you know, it used to be make the shirt yours, but age of squad numbers and all that. That don't think that makes sense anymore. But you have the opportunity to say, This is mine, drop me. So that that would be my take on it. All right. Um, Steve, what's your take? Yeah, well, the, the long staff situation is an interesting one because. The best performances I've seen of Sean is when he's played just behind the front two, you know, and he's played in that sort of advanced role, um, whether it's part of a diamond or whether it's it's been as a number 10. But we seem to have an abundance of players all of a sudden who want to play number 10. But that's the nature of football at the moment. It's Number 10's become like the number to wear. It, it, it's sort of like we're all following on from Messi and Messi wears number 10 so everybody else has to. You know, Maradona wore it, Messi had to wear it so everybody else, if you're a superstar or you've got the potential to be a superstar or you've got the, the inclination or the or the mentality that you should be a superstar, that that's the, that's the position you want to play. Um, none of them would lace Peter Beadze's boots as the number 10, by the way. Um, but that's, a, that's probably another... <laughs> um, I think that... I think that um, in terms of in terms of Murphy, I, I thought last week he he played really really well. I, I was impressed with the lad. Um, I, I went to a I went to an event uh, at uh, the training ground a couple of years ago, um, and he sat I sat alongside him. Uh, it, it was something to do with a, a prof a thing they were doing for match of the day with uh, about the um, the twelfth man project and uh, about men's mental health. 
and we and they brought along some some lads who've been going through this physical activity program that I was part of, and then uh, and then we we brought some of the players and they did this match of the day review, um, and uh, I sat along I sat next to to Jacob and he was a he was a smashing kid, really nice lad, very quiet, um, and I remember at the time thinking. You need to shake him up. You need to like he needs he needs he's, he's a he's a confidence kid. As in he needs the he needs to be given the confidence as opposed to having the confidence. And I'd love to think he could stay in the team after last week, after the goal and the way that he's probably he probably feels and from his own mental point of view, um, he he could be he could be a really really good asset because he's got the ability and he is a nice kid and a and a, and a decent kid. Um, and I'm not saying that disparagingly. I'm not saying it because uh, of any other reason. And that's the way that I personally felt when talking to him. You know, um, and most of the squad are like that. To be perfectly honest, when the other guys that were around the table that we chatted to, and then we, we had a kick around with and, and a bit of a laugh and a joke on with, you know, we're exactly the same. They're just normal human beings at the end of the day. And sometimes we we'll build these people up and put them on pedestals just to knock them down. But uh, I'd, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Murphy get another opportunity, and and maybe we will play with it with a five again. But the advantage of a five is that you can turn it into a three, providing you've got the the three central midfielders who have the mobility to do that. This could be Shaw's opportunity playing the centre. This could be this could be Fernandez playing a little bit wide, and this could be either Dummett coming in, or alternatively Clark if he's fit. I'm not sure Clark it is fit enough. Um, and you, you you could probably correct us on that, but it might be Dummett that comes in for for Littells. Um, let's see. But uh, where, whether wherever they play, we know that the lads do try, you know. And 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 sometimes things just don't come off, and and sometimes they're hamstrung, and sometimes they're kept back, and sometimes it's a tactic, sometimes it's a formation. But a lot of it is to do with confidence. And with Jacob Murphy, I think he's probably buzzing this week after the performance he put in and the goal that he scored, which at the end of the day, it was a really good goal, Steve. Yeah, was brilliant goal. And uh, we'll wish him all the best and hope that he, he can continue uh, his good form in a black and white shirt. Uh, lads, as always, been a really eventful show. Plenty to talk about. And uh, as I'm sure the uh, Twitter fallout will continue over the weekend, I suggest, <laughs> you just switch your, I suggest you switch your phones off and completely ignore it. Uh, I've been fighting a few fires online during the show and uh, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, people saying that uh, we've called... Um, certain people liars, which of course we haven't. Um, anyone who's watched the show all the way through the night, we haven't. We're certainly very cautious as to what we say when we're talking about other people uh, on this show. It's absolutely hilarious. Steve, when they shouted out, "You're a liar," he shouted back, "I don't believe you." <laughs> I love it. Mitch deserves the hanging in there trophy this week, uh, says Jason yeah. Carter. Um, thanks, lads. Have a good show. Good night. Everyone's everyone's thoroughly enjoyed it. And listen, big thank you to everybody. If it's the first time you've watched, uh, please subscribe to the channel. As I say, it is free. Click the subscribe button. And uh, I will be back tomorrow night uh, at 6 o'clock with Ian Mearns uh, giving his uh, political view on uh, all things at Newcastle United. And then the weekend, of course, I will be back with Match Day Live. That will be at 1.30 on Sunday. Um, and then Monday night, of course, we have Ladies Night. If you haven't watched uh, last week's, it's well worth a watch. And uh, Tuesday night, we will have the Shields Gazette, Liam Kennedy back. And back on the normal Wednesday night, 
we will have Malcolm McDonald and the newly married John Gibson. Uh, and then we'll be back to Thursday for Retro Night. And we've had a few people asking uh, who is Retro Night this week? Which team will we be focusing on? And it will be Chelsea we'll be looking at so new uh, newcastle games against chelsea if you've got any memories from uh, those games over the years then tune in and share them with us and then friday again it will be the three amigos so uh mitch has finally fell off his stool and uh taking his phone with him uh, but a big thank you for him for coming on tonight and uh dispelling all the the myths and stories uh about my money mike ashley and steve great to have you on as well mate i hope you have uh, an enjoyable friday evening I'm sure. Well, it's interesting that we've got uh, we've got Ian doing the wake tomorrow, uh, and it's a one-person wake, so there's only one person allowed, and uh, does that mean he's really going to be social distancing? So that's excellent. <laughs> Brilliant. So a lot of love, um, a lot of love for Mitch tonight as well, which is which is really nice. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure he'll appreciate it when he watches it back. Steve, see you again soon, mate. Take care. Good night. Take care. Good night, everybody. <laughs>